0: Talk radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Joanne DiMaggio. Joanne is an internationally recognized researcher, teacher, author, and past life therapist. She has published six books and hundreds of magazine articles for both mainstream and esoteric audiences. In 1987, Joanne began devoting all her time to her esoteric studies specializing in past life exploration, research, and therapy. She eventually combined her passion for soul writing with her knowledge of reincarnation. Today, Joanne is a respected expert in both fields. Joanne earned a Master's in Transpersonal Studies degree and her Spiritual Mentor Certification through Atlantic University. She has been actively involved with Edgar Cayce's Association for Research and Enlightenment since 1987 and has been the coordinator for ARE Charlottesville since August 2008. Joanne and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey, insights about past life and life between lives, exploration, and her latest book, Edgar KC and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. Good morning, Joanne. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing
2: great, Johnny. Thank you so much.
1: Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on with me, Edgar Casey's and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn is a very insightful and revealing read. Congratulations on this release.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It, it was a really uh, a labor of love. It uh, uh, <laughs> took like eight years to get it out there, but I did it, so I'm really proud of it.
1: Fantastic. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to how, you, uh, how your interest in esoteric studies and past life exploration come about. And well, we have the whole hour, by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> tell you my life story. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a very blue-collar neighborhood uh, in an Italian-American Catholic family. And so I went to Catholic school for 12 years and in that time i just had a little bit of a restlessness there was something about um the whole idea of uh one life and if you screw up you go directly to hell you know <laughs> that, that 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 they were teaching us and so i thought this doesn't sound right this doesn't sound like what a loving creator would would do to his uh, mm-hmm. you know his creation so um by the time i was a teenager Uh, I remember I would read about um, Edgar Cayce, and I I started reading books about reincarnation. Um, The first book I read was The Search for Bridie Murphy, Uh, Mm -hmm. and that started to answer all of my questions. There was a logic that, uh, that I found in the theory of reincarnation that I didn't find in Catholicism. And so that piqued my curiosity, um, and uh, but I didn't really do anything about it until um, 1987, and that's mm-hmm. when Shirley MacLaine's book, Out on a Limb, was made into a mm-hmm. miniseries that they ran on ABC for two nights. Mm-hmm. And she started talking about her own past life journey, and that was my big wake-up call, And then after that, um, I just started to seriously pursue this uh, and have been doing so ever since.
1: Very, very interesting. Did you have anyone in your lineage, so to speak, that were really into the, quote-unquote, the spiritual side of the equation, say, versus the Catholicism of the equation?
2: Not at all. No, (laughs) no. So I was really, you know, I mean, I was doing things when I was a child that that Mm -hmm. were rather unconventional. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and they were all, what I've learned since is that that they were all memory triggers of a past life that I had had in 18th century uh, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had such a strong, strong interest in that time period when I was a student. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for Halloween, I would always dress up in a long dress with ringlets in my hair. And I was writing with a feather pen with, um, you know. Uh, And Mm -hmm. and uh, by candlelight, I was listening to baroque music. Um, This Mm -hmm. was not something you did in in the part of town that I grew up in, so so I was really on my own and didn't quite understand what in the world was going on. But oh, I was just absolutely enthralled by that uh, that whole that whole genre. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. How how did your family take that though? I mean, your parents and siblings? They didn't.
2: (laughs) No, they didn't know. They, nobody really knew. I didn't discuss it openly. Ah, um, mm-hmm,
1: so mm-hmm.
2: they never knew. They didn't even really know well into adulthood. Um, uh, I remember my parents moved to Arizona uh, mm-hmm. in 1987 as well, and I uh, they would go up to Sedona. And one time um, my mom, I said to her, I said, Mom, mm-hmm. do you know why, why people are drawn to Sedona? Yeah. And she said, No, why? And I said, It's an energy vortex. And then right. my dad said to me, "Don't talk over your mother's head." <laughs> it was like, I mean, I thought that was my big opportunity to, to, to right. break it to them that I was studying all of this, but never came right. to be.
1: Yeah. Do you think that is more of that undercurrent in some ways? You know.
2: It, you mean in my life?
1: Yeah, and their life because in they their were life. attracted. Yeah. To, you know, I don't you know. Don't
2: my know. my I think maybe more my dad than my mom because my mm-hmm. my dad mm-hmm. was open to exploring uh yeah. different ideas and my mom right. wasn't, you know. So uh, um uh-huh. uh but we never really sat down and had a heart-to-heart talk about it. So I I don't know how they uh you know, they're both they've both passed now. So mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. they're getting an education in the afterlife. We'll see when I meet up with them again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm not saying I'm stretching it, but, you know, we've lived. And so we can look back at some point in our life. And you know what I'm talking about? It's like somebody were to give you a folder. Oh, Joanne DiMaggio, uh, here's your folder for life. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Like I'm going to be doing this, right? But when you look back and that we have certain milestones that we have encountered, sometimes we look and I guess in this situation would be coming to full circle in some ways
2: yeah I mean, I never felt that i belonged uh, mm-hmm. i never felt I belonged with this family. I never felt that mm-hmm. I belonged uh living in the neighborhood I was living in. All I thought about was escaping and getting wow. out of there and um and you know when I was in college, I had mm-hmm. a history professor tell me I had the most uncanny feel for the 18th century of any student he ever had. Well, still, I didn't put two and two together, that it was because wow. I was writing from memory when I was doing those mm-hmm, essays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and then I decided after I graduated that I would go up and down the eastern seaboard to, mm-hmm. to all the places that he said I had this uncanny feel for. And when I got to Virginia, It was like my soul just took this big sigh of relief. Like I'm finally home. This is where I belong. And I've been here now. um, I've been here now since 1995. We moved here. Mm -hmm. So um, and I feel like this is where I belong. This is uh, definitely um, feels more like home than Mm -hmm. uh, Chicago ever did.
1: Oh sure, sure. Wow. Yeah. What life experiences led you to soul writing?
2: Ah, soul writing. I started soul writing when I was about nine years old, but again, you have to remember that these early experiences that I had mm-hmm, did not have mm-hmm. a name, and right, I didn't right. even know that they would have a name, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, the, the the story that I like to tell is the way it all started was because my parents were born in the United States, but they spoke only in Italian when they wanted to mm. speak to my grandparents because we lived with right. my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so they opted to never teach my brother or I how to speak Italian. So mm-hmm. whenever they didn't want us to know what they were saying, they would talk to each other in <laughs> Italian. And I thought that was very rude. <laughs> so uh, so I decided I would I would teach them a lesson. So I was about nine years old. I Went into the only private room in the house, which was the bathroom, and I sat underneath the Mm -hmm. sink. And I said, and being a good Catholic girl, I knew that if I (laughs) prayed for something, I would get it, right? Uh So I prayed. I said, dear Jesus, send me a code, a secret code, that I can uh, write notes and mom and dad won't Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying, you know. Mm -hmm. So I I sat there and fully expected to get something, and sure enough, uh, the pen started moving, and I got these funky-looking symbols, and I Mm. made an alphabet out of it. Well, they didn't care. I mean, I left them all over the house, and they didn't care, so I I let go of that idea. But 25 years later, I was taking a calligraphy class, and Mm -hmm. the instructor was teaching us about the origin of of handwriting. Mm -hmm. And she pulled down this chart, and lo and behold, it was my alphabet, <laughs> and the, the one that I had gotten when I was right. nine years old. And I was like, wait a minute, how does she know <laughs> what my alphabet, is, my secret code is? And turned out it was the Phoenician alphabet
1: oh, from like wow. 1000
2: or something B.C., yeah. yeah. So yeah. either I either I was writing that from memory, having lived then, or right. I was just kind of tapping into like a universal consciousness and bringing that in. So that right. was my first um, experience with soul writing. So basically soul writing is a written form of meditation. So if you think of oh. prayer as you talking to God and meditation mm-hmm. as God talking to you, this is you taking notes. Mm-hmm. So I have uh, since... Uh, perfected it and uh, actually Edgar Cayce, um mm-hmm. talked a lot about it he called it inspirational writing uh, mm-hmm. and so it's just writing in an altered state of consciousness mm-hmm. so it's like a I call it my 24 7 phone home card you could talk to fear at any time so it's been a really important aspect of my work um, mm-hmm. as as important as the past life
1: work very very interesting very interesting who were the major influences in your early spiritual journey?
2: I would say, um, the biggest influencer would have been Dick Sutton. Um mm-hmm. and he was out in um Scottsdale, Arizona, and then he was in Malibu was in Malibu and Scottsdale both. He had a huge uh influence on me. He wrote many, many books. He did a lot of um subliminal uh hypnosis tapes that I listened mm-hmm. to. So I was really involved with with him as, uh, at a pretty young age. Um, I was reading books by Jess Stern and Ruth Montgomery, uh, mm-hmm. and of course uh, Edgar Casey was um, was I consider Edgar Casey my spiritual mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so mm-hmm. almost everything that that I've built my career around has been built around the Casey teachings and the Casey readings.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Very very interesting. Is reincarnation a process of soul refinement?
2: Yes, that's a good way of putting it, Johnny. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, we, I think of the earth as the school, and mm-hmm. uh, we have a curriculum that we agreed to in our pre-life planning session. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want to come and I want to experience what it's like, um, you know, uh, you might want to work on love or forgiveness mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. maybe greed or or a health challenge or something like that, uh, responsibility, whatever the issue is, abandonment maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we come to the earth as a school, work on our lesson, hopefully pass the class mm-hmm. so that we don't have to take that class again. And then, you know, then we pass over and um, work on, other issues that that came up are karmic issues that came up in previous lifetimes. We select which ones we want to work on um, when we come to the earth, and so in that way, it is a sense of refinement. You're you're um, working through these issues. You're experiencing what mm-hmm. it's like to be a spiritual being in a physical body, and mm-hmm. um, and then uh, your soul's growing with each subsequent lifetime.
1: Very interesting, very very interesting. In your journey, how did mastering your transpersonal journey itself contribute to who you are today?
2: You know, I was I've been thinking a lot about that even before you Mm -hmm. asked me the question. Um, It has changed my entire perspective. I don't look at anything the way I used to look at it. So, in other words. you know, if if I, if I identify something that happened to me in my childhood that I think, you know, in mm-hmm. psychotherapy, you know, you would be looking, oh, well, this happened when you were a child and you're still playing this out now as an adult. Um, I don't look at it that way so much because I don't, first of all, I, it it's eliminated blame. I'm mm-hmm. not blaming anybody else for what's going on in my life because I know that I chose these lessons to work on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also know that it isn't, necessarily something that happened to me in this life that it goes further back that i've brought in issues that i'm working on now uh and you know when you understand that when you change your perspective about it mm-hmm. that's why i named my my book before the one you were talking about today i, I did it to myself <laughs> again because
0: mm-hmm. i feel
2: mm-hmm. like you know we've we've uh, we've created the um the the curriculum that we're dealing with now so we've chose our parents we chose our socioeconomic uh environment that we're born into we chose our mm-hmm. our nationality our race everything about us was was uh, chosen for the specific reason of working on a, an issue and so when the issue comes up i look at it with that lens mm-hmm. you know um not you know, oh gosh, when I was a child, this happened to me. But I go, well, what was it that happened in the previous life that set that up for me as a child in this life? And now I'm working on that. So um, I tend to dig a little deeper, go back a little further, uh, and understand the continuity of the soul. And mm-hmm. I'm changing bodies, lifetime after lifetime, but the soul's journey just continues.
1: Very very interesting. What is Akashic records.
2: The Akashic records, if you think of like the universe's supercomputer, uh, every thought, word, deed is recorded in the mm-hmm. akashic Records, so it's like this big library in the sky and every soul has the book in the library and it follows their existence from the time of creation until now so you know you could go and pulled out your book and say i want to look at my life from 1773 and then everything will be in there so um edgar casey used to go to the akashic records when he would do readings and and mm-hmm. uh and uh so you go in there and you can you can actually, um, you know, there's a record of everything that you, like I said, that you have ever thought or done, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so you can't really escape it. It's it's there, <laughs> and uh, it's it's uh, it's just this wonderful method of keeping track of our journey, <laughs> our soul's journey.
1: Very very interesting, and I guess that leads me to what do you mean when you say you are re- a reporter? For the universe.
2: Yes, um, I've identified. I've been a writer since very, very young, and then I found out in subsequent uh, past life work of my mm-hmm. own that I've been doing that sort of work from many, many life over many lifetimes. Um, I see myself as someone who's here to observe what's mm-hmm. going on, to take notes, to do research, to, and then write it and then disseminate it. So when I first started to be involved with past life work I did not intend to be a past life therapist I did not mm-hmm. want mm-hmm. to do that kind of work what I wanted to do was just to share with other people what was going on what was the the miracles that were happening between the therapist and the client uh, as far as healing was concerned and then I met um, the late Henry Leo Buldock who was uh, Uh, really popular speaker with the A.R.E. uh, back Mm -hmm. in the 90s and We got to be friends when I I had formed a past life research organization of my own, and whenever he would come in to do a program for ARE, he'd do a program for me as well, and we got to be friends, and he said to me, you know, Joanne, you know more about past life work than like 95% of the (laughs) past life therapists that are out there. Why aren't you doing it? And I said, I'm not, that's not my job. My job Mm -hmm. is to write about all this. He said, well, you know, you could do both. And finally, I, I did get my hypnotherapy certification, and I did start mm-hmm. to do the work myself. And I'm glad that I did, Johnny, because it's, an, it's given me enormous opportunities for research because I, most of my books are based on a research project, and yeah. that includes a past life regression. So, uh-huh. uh, so I'm really glad that I did. And, and the difference I've made in the lives of many people is very humbling for me, so I'm very glad that I made that choice.
1: That's beautiful, really beautiful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixed Clouds, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Joanne DiMaggio. She is an internationally recognized researcher, teacher, author, and past life therapist. She has published six books and hundreds of magazine articles for both mainstream and esoteric audiences. In 1987, Joanne began devoting all of her time to her esoteric studies, specializing in past life exploration, research, and therapy. She eventually combined her passion for soul writing with her knowledge of reincarnation. Today, Joanne is a respected expert in both fields. Joanne and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey, insights about past life and life in between lives, exploration, and her latest book, Edgar Casey: The Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. Let's get into the book, and Joanne, who is Edgar Casey, and why is he considered a prophet by his followers?
2: Well, Edgar Cayce uh, is the most renowned psychic of the 20th century. Um, Over the course of his life, he um, did uh, over 14,000 readings for people. Now, 12,000 of those readings were health readings, so people that would have a chronic uh, illness would Mm -hmm. go to him because traditional medical... Uh, advice wasn't working for them and he would give them a remedy he would go into trance Uh, you always had to ask Mr. Casey a question he didn't just start to pontificate about something you had to ask him a question (laughs) he would go to his source uh, and he would get the answer and and then bring it back so there are um, Casey remedies that to this day are still being used they they was far ahead of his time he earned the the title father of holistic medicine for that reason mm-hmm. um out of those 14,000 readings however 2,000 of them were life readings where where he was um talking about people's past lives uh and, and he was getting more into the esoteric uh end of it um which shocked him when he first started doing it he you know, he. Casey was a very religious man, very Christian. Um, He read the Bible for every year of his life. He taught Sunday school. So when this past life information started coming up in his readings, it, it really threw him for a loop. And for several weeks, he stopped doing readings because he didn't quite know how to reconcile his doing that work with the life that he was living and what he believed in. But then um, he was convinced by spirit that this was okay, and so he continued to do that. So we're the, we are the beneficiaries of that
1: today. Very, very interesting. That's fascinating. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's really fascinating. Why did you decide to write Edgar Casey and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn?
2: Well, when I joined the uh, ARE in 1987, a friend of mine who knew that I had this insatiable interest in history as well as in reincarnation said to me, did you know that Edgar Casey did a reading on a baby boy who was only two days old and said he was the reincarnation of both Thomas Jefferson and Alexander the Great? And I thought, whoa. So the reporter <laughs> of oh, so the universe kind of kicked in, and I thought, what a great mm-hmm. story, right? I thought, yeah. I wonder I wonder what became of him. I wonder, what was that like growing up, having been told that when you're two days old? And so um, at that point, I, I was just fascinated by the story just for the sake of it being a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I um, I really decided that I wanted to, to talk to this person Um I I had a really difficult time connecting with him. I had all kinds of roadblocks thrown up in my in my way, uh, where I wasn't able to to meet find him even. And um and so it really wasn't until I met him in 1996 and um and so that and actually he had moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, which is where I live and uh which is also where Thomas Jefferson lived. Uh, and um, and we, we developed a, a friendship. And um, over time, I had asked him, you know, uh, I, well, the reason that I, I was so interested is because Casey, besides telling him he had been Jefferson, said that his soul could do for the world what Thomas Jefferson did for this country. Mm-hmm. That's pretty heavy to lay on a, a little baby, right? And I thought, right. well, I don't think he ever accomplished that. But nobody, and a lot of people blamed him for that. He was shunned quite a bit. Um, wow! Developed a, a really uh, unsavory reputation, uh, mm-hmm. and um, so people either loved him or they hated him. Mm-hmm. And um, and I wanted to find out what the heck happened here. What? Why? If it, Mr. Casey was never really wrong, in all the years mm-hmm. I studied mm-hmm. Casey, I never found him to be wrong. So if he said that this soul had this. capability, why didn't it happen? So that's why I thought, you know, this guy's been given a bum rap and I think he's been uh, unjustly treated and uh, nobody's asked the right questions of him and I'm going to ask those questions and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. So that's what propelled me to to write
1: this story. Very, very interesting. The book focuses on the roles of members of TJ's soul family. First Mm -hmm. of all, who are his soul family, and how did they impact his life?
2: Well, when you think about um, souls, we travel together as a mm-hmm. soul family, uh, like a pod. So mm-hmm. uh, from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. So the people in your soul group know you on a very intimate level. For TJ, um, Edgar Casey was in his soul family. his aunt Gladys Davis was in his soul family, his parents. obviously, the people that were closest to him uh, in that life um, were all members of his soul family, and they all had agreed to come in with, uh, you know with him uh, mm-hmm. to help him work on his um, his karma his karmic mm-hmm. issues.
1: Mm-hmm. that's interesting though, because the soul family is not the I guess, immediate uh, physical family that you have right now.
2: No, because you don't reincarnate in the same biological family lifetime Mm -hmm. after lifetime, but you, you know, you change gender, you change, uh, uh, so, you know, so like your um, his aunt Gladys, for example, was his love mm-hmm. interest in Atlantis, so she was his aunt in this life, <laughs> but she was a love interest in a previous life and that 's yeah. how it works. So your father in this life could have been your sister in a previous
0: mm-hmm. life because we mm-hmm.
2: change gender, we change the role that we play, but we come in with a specific um, you know uh, reason and and, mm-hmm. and how we 're going to interact with each other as souls with the sole purpose of helping us to Uh, attain the, um, the goal that we set for ourselves in this life.
1: Sure. That's extremely understandable because his aunt Davis, like there is that unconditional love bonding.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Now that you said yeah. that, you know they were, uh you know, uh, have a different kind of relationship back then. So you do want right. someone that really truly got your back, I guess.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. she had been his guardian before, his teacher before. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were. Mm-hmm. They've had many, many lifetimes, and he was also with Casey in many lifetimes. He was,
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, with mm-hmm. him in Egypt, with him in Atlantis, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how many others, but um, yeah. but there was a his- There's a history there among those souls.
1: Right, right. How did TJ end up living with Edgar Casey?
2: Well, TJ, the way TJ tells the story When he was, his soul was still In spirit, he knew he wanted to be With Casey in, 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 On the earth, but mm-hmm. by the time he looked In on him, Mr. Casey was already Too old to have any more children, so he Couldn't come in that way, then he mm-hmm. thought Well, I'll come in through my Aunt Gladys Gladys Davis was Casey's secretary And, mm-hmm. um, and Lived on and off with the Casey's And so TJ thought, well, I'll get to Mr. Casey Through my Aunt Gladys, well, Gladys wasn't Married, and she wasn't Having any children, so then T.J. Soul thought, okay, Plan Plan C. Um, I will come in through Gladys's brother Boyd and his wife Berlin. And Boyd and Berlin Davis uh, were alcoholics and were gamblers. And TJ's, T.J. knew that they would not. The last thing they wanted was a baby, and mm-hmm. that he, he he surmised if I come in through them. They'll, you know, Gladys will take me, and then Gladys will bring me to Edgar Casey, and that's exactly what happened.
1: Isn't that yeah. interesting? Like, I guess you talk about planning, right? Pre-planning. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and then you have roles that are actually on this physical earth that are actually fulfilling the prophecy, I guess, right. in some ways. Right.
2: Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. So his... Um, yeah, and that's why, you know, he never resented uh his mm-hmm. parents uh because he saw them just as a means to get to Mr. Casey, which um, you know, a lot of a lot of children who are adopted, they, they looked at it that way that mm-hmm. that they chose to they needed to be with the souls that they who adopted them, and the only way to get to them was The way they did it you know and not be with Mm -hmm. their biological parents so Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually quite beautiful when you think about how that all worked out you know Um, yeah and he was able he lived with the with the casey's for uh, on and off for about eight and a half years until mr. Casey died in 1945
1: Mm -hmm. very very interesting well as you mentioned because from the grand deals of things and when you expand your thoughts uh, we all need to have that gateway door to mm-hmm. connect. And so right. in this particular case, that's what it is. is. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, he needed to get to where he needed to go and um, just by divine intervention just made, mm-hmm. made sure that he got there.
1: Very, very interesting. What is the difference between a healing reading and a life reading?
2: Well, as I mentioned, Mr. Casey did a total of over 14,000 readings and yeah. 12,000 readings were health readings, and those readings were for people suffering from a chronic disease. So he would come up with a, what, um, I know you like the word recipe, Johnny, so he came up with a recipe <laughs> <laughs> for for healing, and um, many times, you know, he would say, you know, he talked a lot about glycothymaline, uh, the mm-hmm. castor oil packs, uh, mm-hmm. and other remedies that, that he talked about. And like I said, those remedies are still available today. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to, if you're an ARE member, by the way, um, mm-hmm. you can go to org and there's a member section and you go in the member section and then the readings are available uh, to you. All you have to do is type in a keyword. So if you're dealing with... You know, um, if you're dealing with cancer or high mm-hmm. blood pressure or any other any remedy any illness, you mm-hmm. could type that in, and then all the all the readings that came up about that issue well, would pop up, and you'd be able to read. and There's many, many, many books uh, on the KC Health uh, reading, so um, that's probably um, uh, unto itself one of the biggest. Uh, forms of of information Mm -hmm. that we have on how to on using these natural remedies to counter whatever illness we're dealing with the life Mm -hmm. readings then of course were the ones that were dealing with the um, more esoteric issues Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. where you know he would talk about um, past lives um, soulmates um, uh, you know even about other planets and um, you know, um help people to understand why things were the way they were in their lives. So, um, you know, for instance if he, he said to somebody, Well, the reason you're overweight in this life is because you used to make fun of people that were obese in a previous life. So now you're <laughs> dealing with it. You know. So there, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. there's quite a bit of, of, of those kinds of uh karmic cause and effect
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh readings that, that are in the in the um in the life readings.
1: Hmm. very very interesting so the relationship that Edgar Casey had with TJ mm-hmm. that sort of really opened the window for you to look at Edgar Casey's life and of course yeah. TJ's obviously how would yeah. you categorize their relationship and if you can give us some details you know some of the favorite memories and as you do the research both as well as getting information from TJ himself
2: they had what I could only describe as a love relationship it was Mm -hmm. um, it was more than a parent and a child it -hmm. it transcended that Um, mr. Casey absolutely adored TJ Mm -hmm. Um, he even named him because um, when TJ was born he was near death because he mm-hmm. said he'd been flushing around a womb that was full of alcohol for nine months. Mm-hmm. And he came out looking like a piece of dried wood, and the doctor only gave him three days to live. And Casey mm-hmm. told Gladys, no, bring him to me. And Gladys mm-hmm. brought him to him, and he said he told her what to do and saved his life. That's one of many times he saved his life. And um, they, as soon as TJ was old enough, Mr. Casey would take him out on the pier. I think he was about two. Mm -hmm. and they would go out and they had a lake in the back of the house and there was a pier that they would go out on and they would fish together and as they're sitting there fishing mr casey is teaching tj about reincarnation about the creation story how to read auras about fairies about levitation he just was pouring all of this information Mm -hmm. in the vessel of that little boy because he saw so much potential in him. And he wanted to do as much as he could to share this wisdom with this child so that this child could go out and and share that as he got older. Um, Casey gave um, TJ that life reading when TJ was two days old. He promised a second life reading, um, when T.J. was 13, but of course he didn't get that because he mm-hmm. uh, T- uh, Casey died when T.J. was only 8 uh, eight and a half. But the stories of them out on the pier are really endearing, and mm-hmm. he's got some other stories which I found fascinating. He used to complain to, <laughs> to Mr. Casey that he didn't have anybody to play with, and mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Casey said, well, you're with me for now. I'll take care of it. And one day T.J. said he's out on the pier and he hears violin playing, Mm -hmm. And he turns around, and here's this little girl. And Mr. Casey said, that's Stefanella. You can play with her. And so Mm -hmm. they became friends, and they played. But TJ said she was very strange when she would get into playing her violin. He says, you could almost put your hand through her. And he didn't realize that she wasn't a real playmate Mm -hmm.
0: um
2: and uh and this came up many many years later when he was in italy and and there's a story in the book about that if your listeners are are so inclined to read that but um you know he saw levitation he saw there was a, a family from india that was visiting and and uh and they did levitation in the living room he saw that he was there when michael the archangel came through uh, and was sort of bellowing through Mr. Casey, uh, you know, uh, as TJ was watching, um, Mr. Casey taught him about the pyramids, you know, how the pyramids Mm -hmm. were, were made. Um, so he has many, many beautiful stories about how how he was learning, how, te- how mm-hmm. Mr. Casey was teaching him these things, teaching him how to, you know, he talked about how he saw fairies in the asparagus garden. It scared him so much he just hightailed it out of there as fast as he could. So there are many, many stories about what, what we like to call his enchanted childhood. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? Growing up, he didn't realize that that other kids didn't live like this. He thought everybody this was normal for everybody, um, and so he had a very rude awakening when he found out that in fact that wasn't the case, and um, he had to adjust seriously adjust um, to um, you know to life outside of the Casey compound where where things were. I will put quotes around the word normal, um, <laughs> and also remember too, people that were coming to the ARE then when he was a child uh and they all many of them had famous past lives, either biblical mm-hmm. characters or or whatever, mm-hmm. and they all knew t j s reading They all knew who he had been, so here he is in a group of people where reincarnation is talked about the way we talk about the weather. I mean nobody questioned it; it was just something that they all uh, understood to be a reality, and so he grew up in that sort of an atmosphere,
1: very, very fascinating as far as that goes. How did you feel when you were in the middle of all this research like to say it it was a journey for you? It was <laughs> in many, it many was ways. a journey. Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah. So, well, um go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: No, 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 go ahead. It you know, as that oh. part as the journey unravel itself. I mean, how are you? <laughs> oh, um
2: it was it was difficult. I will tell you that. It was uh, many, many times I wanted to quit. I didn't want to wow. do it. Uh, and I remembered though. Then I had a session, and I remember seeing myself in my own pre-life planning session. And he was his soul was there, and I promised him that I would write this book. And wow. so to me, it was um, it was a soul contract that the two of mm-hmm. us had. So despite the many many obstacles that I faced, the the resistance that I got, uh, lucky for me, uh, Karen Davis who was related to t j uh, she 's married to his cousin
0: mm-hmm. Karen
2: Davis was working in the edgar k c foundation 's archives, and Karen was instrumental. I would go there whenever I could get away. I would go there for a few days. Karen would uh, once I got permission from t j in writing to look at his file because you can 't mm-hmm. just go there and and look, she would bring me out. He had a file that was several feet deep. I mean, he had a lot of information. His, <laughs> his drawings, his report cards, all of that is being kept in the archives. So I, um, she would bring out the file for me, and I would just go through it painstaking. I had white gloves on very carefully turning mm-hmm. the pages because they were disintegrating in my hands because they hadn't done anything to um, preserve any of that. So um, I was going to Mr. Casey's letters, Gladys's letters, his parents' letters, anybody that ever mentioned his reading number, Mm -hmm. which is 1208. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, it took me. I I was piecing it together. Uh, I wanted to make sure Johnny that that this book was based on historic documentation. So I didn't want anybody to come back to me later and go, you know, that isn't true, or that isn't true, Mm -hmm. or that isn't. Mm -hmm. Because I could say, well. I can point right to the letter that I got this information from, and I wanted right. to give all of those people in his life a voice, so that when you're reading the book, you can hear them speaking. It, this isn't based on my opinion. This is right. based on, on what's in those in those letters and uh, interviews with TJ, because um, I convinced him to do some small group conversations. Uh, mm-hmm. or, I organized those, uh, so he spoke to small a r e groups of people uh, at unity church and mm-hmm. um, and then private interviews because he and i are have We've been friends a long time, and well, we were friends in many lifetimes but mm-hmm. uh so I think he 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 trusted me with with doing this and uh it took about eight different rewrites I'll tell you <laughs> and uh but finally, I think I got it. I got it to where it is now and i'm I'm very proud of it and and most most importantly, he was too he mm-hmm. He was really pleased with the way it turned out, and that's what I was mostly concerned about.
1: Well, the book is very well put together. I love the black and white photos. I think it just adds so much more personality and, respectfully, life to the book. Thank you, thank you. And yeah, it, it's just fascinating. Yeah, I, think
2: the, I think I think mm-hmm. the photos show the love
1: between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, that, that comes yeah. across. Yes. And it, it just, you know, it, it really, like I say again, that sort of added, I don't know what you call it. It, it, it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> good. That would be the best way to, to describe it, I guess, from that perspective. Yeah. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Cloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes and Hop Hopper. My guest is Joanne DiMaggio. Joanne is an internationally recognized researcher, teacher, author, and past life therapist. She has published six books and hundreds of magazine articles for both mainstream and esoteric audiences. In 1987, Joanne began devoting all of her time to her esoteric studies, specializing in past life exploration, research, and therapy. She eventually combined her passion for soul writing with her knowledge of reincarnation. Today, Joanne is a respected expert in both fields. Joanne and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey, insights about past life and life between lives, exploration, and her latest book, Edgar Cayce and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Joanne, what... What took place to trigger T.J.'s memories of his past life? In this case, Alexander the Great and Thomas Jefferson.
2: You know, I asked him once if he remembered mm-hmm. being... I said, do you think you were Thomas Jefferson because you remember being Thomas Jefferson or do you think you were Thomas Jefferson because Edgar Casey said you were? Right. And he said to me, no, it's because Mr. Casey said that I was. Um, however... Uh, that being said there have been many many times when he has what I call bleed through come up, mm-hmm. and Mr. Casey t- talked about when he was three years old uh he he started reciting the Declaration of Independence to Mr. Casey and insisted that he wrote it uh, and then there was another time when he was in high school he was a freshman in high school and he was taking his final exams in history And he read the question, and he knew he couldn't answer it, but he had he didn't want to fail. So he had to write Mm -hmm. something. So he said he wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Statute for Religious Freedom in Virginia. And he signed the names of some of the people from the Mm pat—his that had signed the Declaration of Independence. And this teacher, you know, was outraged Mm -hmm. that he did this and she was they suspended him while they looked into (laughs) it. But they knew he didn't cheat because he was sitting right in front of them so um, and all through the book you'll see instances where you know he will do something or say something uh, and then you have to know everybody around him was watching him carefully right. because they were watching to see if wow well, you know is, is some aspect of Jefferson's life going to come up um, in this life he talks about you know not thinking Alexander was so great he feels like, you know, he, he killed so many people. He really is yeah. embarrassed by that lifetime. Um, and the Jefferson lifetime, I think he is really haunted by the slavery issue. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so there's not, it's all not fame and glory associated with it. But, um, but, yeah, he has had many, many, many stories, and they're all in the book, about how this information just kind of uh, uh, flooded up you know, and, uh, but he never focused on it, really, he never, Mm -hmm. um, he's a very humble person, so he doesn't go around saying, I was Thomas Jefferson, Uh, (laughs) you know, that's not something he does, so, (laughs) but nonetheless, you know, if you, as I put in my, the beginning of the book, I mean, if you Mm want to, if I could have dinner with anybody, uh, for Mm conversation's sake, it would be him, because he's just absolutely Mm -hmm. fascinating.
1: Very very interesting. How did Edgar Casey's death impact TJ's life?
2: Oh, that was like the beginning of the end, really. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, um, everything everything just was in state of total chaos when Casey died. Uh, TJ's aunt Gladys was spending all of her time trying to save the readings and keep the ARE running, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so she couldn't really watch him anymore. Um, Mrs. Casey was also ill. She died, you know, within a year of Mr. Casey, I believe. And, um, his parents still didn't want him. His father hadn't seen Mm -hmm. him in years. Uh, and his mother was, uh, you know, still not capable of being a mother to him. And so he got thrown from pillar to post. Basically, you know, uh, uh-huh. they'd send him to his grandmother in Ohio, or they'd send him to an aunt or an uncle. They put him on a bus, and, and he's only eight and a half years old. Um, at that point, you know, I think his his teachings stopped. Nobody took him under their wing to continue um, preparing him for the work ahead. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a story in the book about how Casey had desperately wanted him to go to a school in New Hampshire, uh the high mowing school, um right. and uh and his mother decided at the last minute to to not send him. That was a pivotal moment in his life. He had a lot of crossroads, but when Casey died that was pretty much it. Um his life going forward after that was um nowhere near what the the trajectory that Mr Casey had had hoped for this this little boy, and um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know and he was he was too young to make decisions for himself. He was only eight right. and a half, so um, right. so he was really at the mercy of the adults around him and and they weren't able to Uh, spend any time with him so later on in life he became more like a hippie you know and then a recluse Mm -hmm. and a vagabond so Mm -hmm. uh, and that started to contribute to his reputation um Mm -hmm. you know uh that he just wasn't at all what mr casey had had said that he was going to be but i really think it wasn't necessarily his fault because he was too young to be able to decide about his education mm-hmm. or anything like that so yeah his life um, like he said his life went from applause to yawn mm-hmm. after
1: that mm-hmm.
2: and uh, mm-hmm. he was really lost he was a totally lost little little boy after Casey died
1: on the flip side do you think that in all actuality it is by design in some ways because uh, maybe you know when you look at such strong characters like uh, the Bleat Truths, you know the the Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Great, and a few other people. Uh, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, today's lingo, you know, a little stiff. And then now in this life, it's, uh, okay, you're all that. Maybe you need to uh, chill out. Well,
2: um, yes, the answer is this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think in his case and the whole purpose of the book Mm-hmm. As far as what I want readers to take away is the idea of free will—that mm-hmm. no matter how lofty uh, you may have had a lifetime in a prior time period, mm-hmm. does not mean that you're just going to keep building on that and getting better and better and more and more famous. Right. You know, even even Edgar Casey had look—he had his life as Rata mm-hmm. the priestess and the priest in. Um, In Egypt and did all these great Mm -hmm. things and then he Mm -hmm. also had a life as a riverboat gambler Mm -hmm. named Bainbridge so (laughs) um, it's not a straight line up it goes up and down and up and down because your soul comes in with various issues it wants to work on in each individual life Mm -hmm. so Yes, T.J., I, I don't let him off the hook completely in this book. <laughs> I, you know, he he I say, you know, when he was young, he could not yeah. make any decisions for himself. Right. But came a time when he turned 18,
0: sure.
2: and he could have started to really mm-hmm. seriously pursue uh, the work. I don't think, Johnny, that this is about Thomas Jefferson at all. And I don't right. think that right. that reading that, that Casey gave him had to do with some sort of political global initiative that, that right, dear Mr. Right. Jefferson soul would have helped us with. <laughs> this had to do, you know, all, TJ's often said to me, he says, you know, Joanne, he said, every yeah. answer that humanity is asking is in those readings. If only right. we would pay attention to them. I think Mr. Casey was grooming him to do that. I think he was right. you know, that he would that he would carry on that esoteric work. And I think that the mm-hmm. fact that he had been Jefferson meant that people would pay attention to him. Right. Because I'll tell you, whenever I've hosted him
0: mm-hmm.
2: the, People hang on him on his every word. They're mesmerized <laughs> by him,
0: right, and the right. women
2: especially. He's got a lot of groupies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that that is, all through his life. I mean, he could, yeah, yeah, he could yeah. just, uh, you know, the women yeah. would fall all over him. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so uh, he has that charisma. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's Bakery interesting.
1: Will. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's very interesting. Because, like you say, you know, maybe 18 is too, still too young. 35, 40, you know what I'm talking about? And it's the yeah, conscious Yeah, he's 85 choice.
2: now. Yeah, he's 85 yeah. years old now. And, um, yeah. you know, unfortunately, he's, he's, his health is starting to fail. Sure. Sure. But um, but you know uh, how many times did I talk to him? And I even said to him once, I said, "Let me do a regression on you, and yeah. we will uh, will put your present personality in the background, bring the Jefferson personality up, and let me yeah. have a conversation with him. Let him talk yeah. through you, and I'll right. share that. The reporter for the universe coming out. I will share right. that with people, and maybe that'll change the the global." you know, community and he would never agree to a regression. I don't know why Mm -hmm. he's never agreed Mm -hmm. to one, but so we have tried, we have really tried Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and he gets excited when he actually can talk to people about this, but he's basically a recluse. He lives alone (laughs) up on this little mountain that actually Mm -hmm. is across from Monticello. He could see his old home
0: where Jefferson lived, uh,
2: which is a source of great irritation for him. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I I do think that he he's responsible for making the choices that that he made. So he cannot blame. Uh, we can't yeah. blame anybody. I mean, you can up until the time that he's a certain age, and then at that
0: point, right.
2: you know, he's a big boy. He could have um, he could have made other choices, but I think he was so beaten down by then.
0: And so without
2: hope that I don't think he was able to really pull himself together, you know, to do the great work that Casey said he could do.
1: Right. And then in essence, maybe this is the great work he needs to do.
2: I think so. I think that getting the book out and having him talk, if I could get him to do more, uh, you know, I think that that is, uh, that is what we're supposed to be doing together. And, um, And uh, I hope that we have the time uh, to get that
1: done. I'm sure you do. I say this respectfully. Years ago, I had someone that uh, was uh, one of my uh, ballroom uh, dancing students, okay? And Mm -hmm. apparently, she had some issues. And then she passed on, um, I think, around 35. And obviously, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you're talking about, like, that's just a baby, right? Yeah, yeah. uh, for something, for whatever reason that came to my mind was the fact that, you know, I tell people, I said, uh, it's kind of like, uh, oh, I know what it is. It, what triggers me to say that was because at her eulogy, people were sharing fascinating things that she was done. She had done at a very young age based mm-hmm. on her, uh, uh, you know, her, uh, her illness and whatnot and so forth. It was fascinating. Nobody knew about that. And I s- told someone, I said, you know, let me put it this way. It's like, in our journey we have done what we did to do and that's it
2: right it's the end right. right and
1: whatever that may be at that time yeah, yeah. and you know there's no what ifs that what is is the important thing
2: yeah. yeah well he's working on a lot of issues from uh from other lifetimes not so much from the jefferson life right now mm. and that's the way he planned it so uh, you know, we have to honor it. it's his karma. We have to leave him to sure. it. Uh, yeah. So um, who knows what's in it? He, he acknowledges that he will have to come back again. <laughs> I said, yeah, so do I. So, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll, we'll pick this up later. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when we're younger, yeah. yeah.
1: Do you have any advice for someone skeptical about their past life influencing their current life?
2: Well, you know, I tell people you don't have to believe in past lives for it to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's uh, uh, one of the things about past life work is uh, it gets to the origin of the issue. So if you've got something going on, a behavior pattern uh... Or maybe some sort of a, a parallel or a, um, things that are happening that that you can't explain why mm-hmm. your life is the way it is look into past life work because the beautiful part about it is that it usually only takes one session because it mm-hmm. goes right to the root of the issue to the origin this is where it actually started and if mm-hmm. you could get there and heal that and and have a different perspective about it it'll impact your life going forward today mm-hmm. so it's very very powerful it's not like psychotherapy where you go week after week after week and right. talking about something over and over again. This is just, you know, get to the origin, see what started it all, heal it, and move on. Uh, and so um, so it's very powerful and I get a lot of skeptics that come to me for regressions. they're not sure going mm-hmm. into it they'll say well I want to do this because I've always been curious about it and they're always mm-hmm. shocked <laughs> at the <laughs> lifetime that comes up for them and uh, right. but it makes perfect sense it's very logical and it answers mm-hmm. a lot of questions for them and it provides healing on a really deep level that they wouldn't mm-hmm. get uh, uh, with any other modality
1: Very interesting. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading Edgar Cayce, The Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn?
2: I would like them to just understand about the the role of free will that we you know we create our own realities, we mapped out the way our lives are going to be, and understanding that enables you then to make some adjustments if you choose to, uh, and that we're all part of each other's lives. I mean we're all connected one to the other and um, and that we're never alone we're We're part mm-hmm. of a you know a, a chain of of uh of souls. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's help available at any given time. Uh, you just have to ask for it.
1: Very interesting. Where can someone go to buy your books, get more information about you and your services, and keep up with the latest happenings?
2: Um, well, my books are all on Amazon, so you can go there uh, and see those and buy those. And um, I have a website. It's joandamaggio.com. It's J-O-A-N-N-E-D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O.com. And on my website, I have uh, a, a place where you can read about the different kinds of past life regressions I do. I do four different kinds. I also teach soul writing. Uh, and you can, if you're interested, you could book a session right with me right online. I also have a blog and some case studies uh that are on there and there's a even a quiz that you can take to find out which past life regression would be right for you and then i have all my books on 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 that uh website as well so um i think it's pretty comprehensive and just about anything you're looking for is there
1: fantastic what is next for you
2: Um, you know I've been thinking about what to do next there's been a resurgence of interest in soul writing Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: um, the opportunity now to mainstream it and bring it into colleges to teach uh, like future social workers how to apply Mm -hmm. that to their clientele so I've been thinking about doing something about soul writing and healing Um, but I've also been toying with the idea of doing a book about the Beatles and spirituality because mm-hmm. uh, I was a Beatles fan back in the day. Uh, not only a fan, <laughs> I was actually president of the fan club. Uh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and then the other one I was doing was, why, like I was going to call it, Why Are There So Many Cleopatras? Because I was going to do a, almost uh-huh. an anthology of the top questions that people ask about reincarnation. So I've got a lot uh-huh. of things that are kind of swirling over my head, and, and uh, uh-huh. we'll see which one comes in for a landing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds wonderful. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning?
2: Oh, I would just say what I've said before about that there's purpose in everything that happens, nothing is random, and that um, all of your answers lie within you just have to go in and ask the right questions, and spirit will always be there for you to provide answers. You're not
1: alone. Beautiful. That's fantastic. Joanne, thank you for the good recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, June 1st. My guest will be Sherry Gideons. She is the High Vibe Nation founder and host of High Vibe Thought Leader Radio and Life Show. Her best-selling book, Mastering Ultimate Thinking, Steps for Transforming to a Powerful Life, provides a step-by-step formula to seize our peaceful private moments to enrich and energize ourselves and create the life we're born to live. Sherry and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her passion in helping people transform their way of thinking about their body image, health, and the pursuit of happiness. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to frommymammaskitchentalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. Joanne, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a very blessed day.
2: Thank you. You too, Johnny. I enjoyed it.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.